0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Earthly Delights podcast. This week, we have Kiana Fitzgerald as the guest. And Kiana Fitzgerald is an American journalist, podcaster, DJ and mental health awareness advocate. I actually linked linked up with her nearly a year ago after I read her fantastic piece on Kanye West's public statement surrounding his bipolar diagnosis and how this unveiling was very important for her own development and um, she subsequently written a few more pieces which you can find in the the links below but recently uh, she has been she's had a very active social media presence which she uses to share her personal experience of bipolar and to destigmatize non-ordinary states of consciousness hearing her take on episodes of mania is something i find fascinating and beautiful and i think you guys also will she describes these episodes as portals towards a deeper truth and touching this truth has made her feel closer to God and eradicating a fear of death. But we cover a lot in this podcast and Kiana's honesty around this still misunderstood condition will certainly help expand one's understanding. Thanks for listening guys. Any feedback is always welcome. All the best. Kiana Fitzgerald, welcome to the podcast. What's the crack? (laughs)
1: <laughs> thank you for having me uh the crack is I am just making it you know each day is a fun one each day is an, an anxious one um but I'm trying to make the best of it whatever I do happy to hear
0: that's that's all we can do just make the best of it you know um I particularly appreciate um American responses to us. the crack just a few <laughs> weeks ago we had uh Mary Jane Rubestein on and for the first time, I heard an American reply uh, to What's the Crack with like a rating, which, which, oh. which, which yeah, 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 which, so <laughs> it, always on my toes. But also b- before we get into, it, I wanted to ask Fitzgerald, is there some Irish in your lineage?
1: I knew you were going to ask that. And I was like sitting here right before we spoke and I was like, I should have looked this up. I have no idea. But, um, yeah, I, I've been told my entire life. Yeah, you, like my my other side of my family is the McKnights, so um yeah, I don't know what it is, but it's there somewhere.
0: Okay, <laughs> it's there. That's the main thing. You can feel it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, I guess um just just for listeners uh just to begin, I like I reached out to you following a piece that you wrote on um, on Kanye's bipolar, Kanye West's bipolar, and the public discourse around that. And we've been corresponding on and off the last while, discussing uh, perception of bipolar and mental health more broadly uh, to the actual mm-hmm. experience of mania, as well as your recent work destigmatizing uh, bipolar on TikTok, which we'll get to. Um, yes, and it's 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 great to finally get you onto the onto the podcast. Um, but before we 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 get into the the chunk of what we want to talk about today, do you mind telling yourself tell them, uh, yourself tell. Them, uh, so telling ourselves uh, a bit about yourself, particularly for listeners who might not be familiar.
1: Absolutely. Um, So yeah, my name is Kiana Fitzgerald and I am from Texas, a small town called Seguin, which is not far from San Antonio, which is where I'm currently living. And I am a journalist. Um, I am an essayist. I DJ from time to time. Um, I try to do a lot of things just to kind of keep myself busy. And, uh, but the, the thing that I focus on the most is writing. And, um, Jim, as you said, I wrote this piece about Kanye West in late 2019. And, um, it just kind of broke open the doors for me in a lot of ways. It, um, introduced me to people like yourself and also folks who also live with bipolar disorder, like me, like Kanye. And it gave me an opportunity to really, just be honest about my experiences in a way that I hadn't been able to be before. And by that, I mean, you know, I was diagnosed and we'll get into this a little later, but I had my first um, manic experience in 2016. And for the next two or three years, I felt like I didn't know what had happened and I felt like nobody understood me. And I felt like I was alone. And after I wrote that article, um, I just realized that I was far from alone, you know, that there were so many people who had experienced the same thing that I had or very similar to what I had. And it just gave me the motivation to continue speaking out, being vocal about mental health and especially trying to destigmatize uh, what we call mental illness.
0: That's great. Kiana. I Thank, thanks for that introduction. Uh, the, the first question I wanted to ask was: um, You mentioned your fir- your first manic episode was in 2016. Can I ask h- how was your your general mental health or your your health generally before
1: that? Oh yeah, before that, um, I was "quote unquote" normal. You know, I was just living uh, a very um, it was an exciting life. You know, I had moved to New York City. I was working this job, and then I quit that job, and I hopped over to another job, then I quit that job. So it was a lot of like. In hindsight, it was kind of erratic behavior because I just couldn't hold the job. And I was just like, I just want to be free. I want to do what I want to do. And um, I essentially, um, you know, I was trying to just live the life of the people around me and trying to be like the next big writer in New York City. You know, I'm like from the small town in Texas and I had made it to New York. So I wanted to make the best of it. And I was doing the best that I could, but um, eventually I just had stress compounded upon stress. And that's what led to the first experience. Uh, But yeah, before that, it was just, you know, me (laughs) living, living a really fun life. And I kind of had no idea what was coming for me.
0: And can, can you talk us through the first episode? Like, where were you and how did it happen? What happened immediately after it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the first episode started to creep in, I would say around, honestly, like I felt it around my birthday, um, which was August 14th. And um, I had just turned 27. I'm 31 now, and I'm going to turn 32 in about a month. But yeah, uh, it was just like, a very tumultuous time, even though I just said that like before that it was a lot of fun and I was flitting around the city and doing what I wanted to do. I was also going through it in a lot of ways. I was dating someone who said that they were going to do this, but they did that. And I was falling apart and I had quit the jobs that I had just mentioned. um, And I had to move apartments. So I was just stressed beyond stressed. And I just kind of tried to work my way through it by praying and crying. <laughs> and that's all I did. I just cried and I prayed nonstop. And eventually one day it just kind of, I woke up and it felt like I just had this sense of peace come over me and like the spiritual, very, very intense peace that I had never felt before. And it, I basically was, you know, it felt like God had reached out and was like, Hey, you know, I'm here for you. You don't have to be afraid. Like, you don't have to experience this alone. So this was around September um, that things started to ramp up and I ended up flying home for a funeral from New York to Texas. And um, my my sister could tell that something was different about me because I was speeching, speaking very, very spiritually. I was being very um, as they say, um, what's the word? Not hippy dippy, but, you know, it's like kind of in that in that frame of mind of feeling like uh, you just are new one age-y. with the universe. Yeah, new age, yeah. Oh, definitely that. Uh, I was just out there and she was like, what's going on? Like, is everything okay with her? And um, I flew back to New York and I was, you know, just engaging in this very open communication with the universe and with the people around me and feeling like I was just, you know, not the chosen one because I wasn't that arrogant in that moment, <laughs> but I was definitely um, <laughs> feeling like <laughs> feeling like God was speaking to me. So um, yeah, I ended up not being able to move into the apartment that I was supposed to because they could see that something was off with me as well. So I ended up moving in with the, the person that I was dating And from there, um, long story short, I ended up going missing because he had to go to work and he couldn't look after me. So he was like, hey, just go get something to eat from the deli next door, come back and um, I'll be home later. And of course, I tried to go get something to eat and I didn't want to pay for it because Jesus paid it all. And I was like, I'm not paying for this. So I left my purse in the deli and I left. And I guess the deli um, cashier thought that I was joking so he just let me go and i ended up going into the building next door and like trying to knock on doors and save people and tell them god has returned you know we're here we're okay we're okay and um you know of course they were like what's wrong with this girl so they ended up calling the mental health police or the police i'm not sure if it was mental health specific but some form of police was called on me and they took me to the hospital and my family and friends had no idea where i was so i was considered missing for about 36 hours Wow.
0: This a lot, a lot, to, a lot, a lot I want to ask now, I guess. Sure. Uh, and so after, after the, the mental health police came, what, what was your experience like then? Did, did you, did you spend time in the hospital and was what the doctors or what the hospital were saying completely at odds to as your explanation for what you were experiencing?
1: Yeah. So, um, the police picked me up, they put me in an ambulance, and they took me to a hospital in the Bronx, which is the area that I was already in. And, um, I like, I remember things here and there, but I just know that I was there for five weeks and toward the end of the stay, my family got more and more, um, upset because they weren't being told what had happened and what the diagnosis was. If anything, like this is, you know, like trigger warning, but um, they at one point called my brother and told him that I had died by suicide. Um, so it was just like a really messed up hospital. It was very, very um, inadequate in a lot of ways. But that's where I was for a little over a month. And yeah, like I said, the doctors didn't give me a diagnosis. They just put me on this medication called risperidin or risperdal, and it was. Uh, I was drugged up you know i couldn't like whenever i could get through to my family i sounded very um sluggish i couldn't make complete sentences i would repeat myself um, it was just like a lot of uh sad confusion so yeah it was um and what they were telling me in the hospital um didn't make sense because i i felt like i had had the spiritual transformation this evolution and they were telling me you're ill you need to stay here because something isn't right with your brain chemistry and we're going to figure it out. So I was experiencing this one thing in this arm. And then in this other arm, it felt like I, um, I just couldn't comprehend what they were trying to tell me.
2: Kiana, how long did it take you to get your actual diagnosis from that point where you were in the hospital? And like you said, you were just like drugged up for, for however long, how long did it take from that point to actually finding out that you, um, you had bipolar disorder?
1: Sure. Um, it took a year. Um, I came out of the hospital without a diagnosis. I was just kind of sent with some pills and told, take these for the rest of your life. And we don't know what it is, but just, just deal with it. So, um, I ended up coming home to Texas after being in that hospital and I was here for a couple of months and I just got antsy and I was like, I don't want to be here. I need to go back to work. I need to go back to the East coast and like live my life. So I ended up getting this fellowship. Um, and I traveled from Texas to DC and I lived there for about six months doing this fellowship. And during that time, i it's kind of gross, but it's the, the honest truth. Um, the medication made me break out into a full body rash. And it was one of the most difficult times of my life because I was dealing with this mental condition. And then I was also dealing with this very physical reaction. So I would go to hospitals, I would go to doctors and explain like, this is happening, what can we do? And because I didn't have insurance, they were like, well, we can't do anything without a primary care physician. And they can't do anything without the psychiatrist approval. So it was just like this loop that I was running around. So I was like, you know what, F this, I'm not going to take these meds anymore. So I stopped and um, that was around July. And at, at that time, I got the job that I was uh, that I moved to New York again for. <laughs> and uh, that was at this hip hop publication. And it was based in Manhattan. So I was excited. I had this job that I was really crazy about. And uh, like I said, that was around July that I started. And then by the next uh, few months in October, I had another episode. And that's when I was sent to another hospital and told very explicitly, you have bipolar type one. And that's when I was like, Oh, okay. Now I know what happened.
2: Uh, Was that a relief for you to like finally be given like a name?
1: Uh, Yeah, it was, it was definitely a relief. um, Because I knew what to search for now, you know, like I'm a, you know, I'm a journalist. I love researching. I love investigating things and I just wanted to, get to a point where i could better understand this thing that is hovering over my life that i have no like previously i had no foundation no basis of understanding it and then once i was told hey kiana it's this then i was like oh okay well let me sit down and do my googles let me like reach out to other people who might have it let me like backtrack in my memory remember people in my history or in my family who may have had it as well so yeah it was definitely like um Uh, it just opened the door for me to be able to, to get down to the nitty gritty of what it was.
2: Were you like, were you scared when you were told? I mean, obviously there's the part of the relief, but then also because through our conversations um, uh, and through our own experiences, most people, uh, unless they've had kind of direct experience with bipolar disorder, either, you know, personally or through a family member or friend, most people have kind of these misconceptions about what Mm -hmm. bipolar disorder actually is. So were you, were you in that boat or were you quite savvy with what it actually, what that meant from the get-go or did it scare you because you might've had some misconceptions or, or, or ideas about what potentially this disorder might mean for you going forward?
1: Um, I think it was a little bit of both, um, because I do have, family members who live with bipolar and schizophrenia and that kind of thing. So I had an understanding of what it looked like from a familial perspective, but I didn't understand what it looked like for me. So like, for example, um, my brother has schizoaffective disorder. And for him, like he sees hellacious things. He sees like he'll think that he hurts somebody or he'll think, you know, very, very harsh and graphic things and I go in the opposite direction. And I was like coming to the understanding that this looks different for everybody, even within the same family. So I had like some, you know, some preconceptions about, okay, like I know what it's like for him and I know what it's like for, you know, XYZ on the internet, but what does it look like for me? So it was really about the lived experience of going through it and processing it in my own time and figuring out, okay, this is what it is let's see what Kiana, like, how she can manage this condition. Because, you know, as I've said, it is lifelong. And that is a little daunting at times. But it is what it is. I'm not. Um, I don't regret being diagnosed. Um, I don't regret the experiences that I've had, because they have been life changing in a lot of ways.
0: Kiana, you're very descriptive. Very, you you, desc- you describe two words very effectively, at least for me, uh, your experience of mania. But before we get to that, I would love to just ask about you mentioned this is a lifelong condition but you you had 26 or nearly 27 years uh, where you where you didn't mm-hmm. have at all or any symptoms of what perceived to be bipolar so is it your understanding mm-hmm. or is it the general medical consensus that like you it, it, you have bipolar and that it's just certain events that may trigger a certain episode or certain mania and then the mania is how very often we get to like write it in stone. Okay. This person may have this Mm -hmm. bipolar or is it that you, you, you are born and then certain events may, uh, push you in the direction of being diagnosed with bipolar.
1: Sure. So I want to, uh, be transparent about the fact that I was hospitalized at age eight for, um, an episode of psychosis At that time, I wasn't sure, my family wasn't sure what had happened, but they knew that I wasn't myself and um, they like sent me to the hospital for about a week or two and we just kind of kept rolling. They sent me home with medication. My mom didn't want me on the meds and I just kind of kept living my life. So from eight to 27, there was no disruption. There was no like peaking up of mania or anything like that, that I can recall it was a very, very standard life. And um, yeah, so it was definitely uh, something that happened when I was younger that could be connected to now. But for the most part, it's like, you know, obviously it's genetics for sure, but um, stress is like the number one factor for me. And I, the thing is, like, I had been stressed. majority of my life you know living in poverty you know being in grad school like all that stuff like i had been met with stress many times before so it was really interesting that it popped up when it did but i also know that um certain like elements like age are factors like for women and for for people in general i think it's like it can uh be very noticeable in your mid to late 20s
0: thanks Ken. i really appreciate your honesty there thank you and yeah yeah and so for for listeners and uh, for myself and Seb for people who are interested as to what what constitutes mania what does it feel like mm-hmm. I know you can only speak for you or you, I know you have a very close friend who also has bipolar but c- could you describe what what the experience is like and, and what you take from it I know you mentioned before after you, you wanted to knock on doors and tell everybody it's okay Jesus is coming it's, it's safe mm-hmm. but can you expri- can you describe the actual experience
1: yeah um so uh, as you said i can only speak for myself i don't want to you know ruffle feathers out there of anybody who's had a negative experience with mania but for me um it's very it's it's an, an all encompassing joy it's very very it's one of the most natural things i've ever felt in my life and that's why it's incredibly disorienting when you sit down with a medical professional and they tell you that this is wrong because it feels like the most right thing in the world. It feels like I have come into the person that I was always meant to be, that I'm living the life that I was always meant to live. Um, you know, the sun shines brighter, the air feels cleaner. Um, the It feels like you're having a conversation with the universe as you're... Um, talking to a friend, or you're, you're looking at a tree, or you're listening to music or anything, like it feels like everything is connected. And in some moments of mania, it has felt like I've cycled in and out of God consciousness, meaning like, I have not been able to differentiate myself from God, and feeling like, wow, I created all this knowing that I haven't, but feeling like I have, like that feeling is what it is. And I think that's something that can't really be described to a medical professional. I've tried. <laughs> and unfortunately, most of those attempts have been in a manic state. So they, they didn't believe me. But, um, you know, it's, that's why I write about it so much. And that's why I started this TikTok about it, because I want people to understand that like when your loved one is going through a manic episode, they're the happiest likely that they've ever been in their life. And they don't want to come out of that. We don't want to come back to this reality because the what, what we're going through right now is incredibly difficult. And especially for Black Americans, for Black women, for queer Black people, like there's so much that we're going through that when you take somebody out of that, they don't want to go back. So that's why when people ask me, like, how can I get my my cousin or my, my brother or my husband to take his medication? I'm like, they have to want that for themselves. They have to get to the point a feeling like they have grown past that moment of mania and then felt like I've learned what I needed to learn from that let me move on with life as it was
2: and Kiana do you I mean we've spoken about um, the manic episodes but obviously with, with bipolar disorder there's always there's two sides of the coins have you ever experienced the depressive episodes and if so like what how do they kind of manifest themselves and what do they feel like for you
1: Yeah. So depression is, uh, something for me that is inevitable, um, especially after mania and the higher I go up in mania, the lower I come down in depression. So the first, um, manic experience that I had was, you know, I, like I said, it started around my birthday in August and it didn't really end until November. So after that, I had a depressive episode that lasted from about November to about June of the following year. Um, and it was a very arduous time. you know, it was very difficult. And you know, ha- like a majority of the time that I was going through that depression, um, I was living in DC and it was the winter. And it was just terrible, you know, like I was living in this basement apartment. It had very little light. I was going through the skin rash thing. I couldn't sleep. my brain felt fried. It was um, a very difficult uh, transition for me. And in general, When I do go through depressive episodes, um, it's very much, uh, it just feels like I have nothing to live for, you know, like, like, I don't know why I'm here. Like, I don't feel that connection anymore that I felt in mania. And I'm sitting here wondering every day, like, why am I not connected anymore? What did I do wrong? And um, that's how it manifests for me. I know it's different for everyone else, but for me, it's definitely like, you know, like this is, my reality now. And I had this very, very intense, intentional connection to a different form of reality that is way beyond anything I've ever experienced here. So how can I get it's always like, how can I get back there? How can I get back there? Like, it's just a a time of longing very, very deep longing. Kiana, you you seem to be
0: in a better place in terms of um managing the the high and the low mm-hmm. i wonder how was that process for you obviously you mentioned it, it was a sense of longing but you mentioned that was the time in dc but now it seems that you it, i guess what i'm asking is is like have you managed to decipher what you need to do when you are experiencing the lows to kind of com- combat the that kind of well, but I, uh, but I was touching something more beautiful, more truthful than mm-hmm. than I was here, and I want to get back there. But was the, ha Do you have you developed practices, or is there something that you can do on a day to day basis that obviously doesn't bring you close to that that special that feeling, but something that that uh, keeps you keeps you going in a in a decent
1: place? Absolutely, um, I am very open with my family and friends about what I'm feeling. Um, my brother is very understanding because he's experienced mania and he knows you know, what it feels like to go all the way up like that. My sister is very empathetic and um, she is someone who uh, is willing to listen to me, even when she doesn't understand what I'm talking about. And that's a very important thing, I feel, for a lot of people who go through what I call alternative states of consciousness is... It's important for us to be able to talk about what we're going through, because when we're sitting here and we're like in our own brains and we're just like, how can I make sense of this? How can I make sense of this? That's when I start to spiral into depression because I feel alone and I feel isolated. But when I can talk to my my family and my friend that I mentioned, um, or I don't know if we've discussed her yet, but yeah, we have weekly conversations about um you know, the things that we've experienced and the things that we know to be true in our hearts, but aren't necessarily accepted by the general public yet. So it helps to have people to talk to. I also do a lot of journaling. I I was journaling before we started speaking. I'm going to journal later today. I'm going to journal tomorrow. Like it's something that I just have to do. And, um, I also try to meditate when I can. It's not like something that's fully embedded in me yet, because For some reason, I'm like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. I can't meditate. And it's like, Kiana, it's five minutes. It's 10 minutes. You can do it. So um, that's something that I'm trying to implement as well. And yeah, music. I'm a big fan of music. And uh, that's what keeps me um, going on a day-to-day basis.
2: Uh, you brought up the music there, and I, I wanted to ask you. I mean, you. I know you've done some pieces about Kanye West, um, and <clears throat> obviously he brought out um, an album called "Yay," that kind of touches on uh, on his bipolar disorder. And I know, like, maybe critics don't think it's one of his best albums, but it's kind of my go-to album if I'm going to listen to Kanye West. I don't know why, but for some reason, I kind of mm. really gravitate to it. What? How did that album? impact you how did how did you see it did you see it as a good word did you see it as representative or yeah i'd be interested to see how you think about it
1: yeah um so when the album came out i was working for the hip-hop publication that i mentioned before and um they knew already that i was bipolar because the episode that i had in 2017 i was working and i was in the office and they saw that i was not myself so when I came back to the office, I was just very transparent about the fact that I had bipolar type one. Sometimes I go high, sometimes I go low, blah, 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 whatever. So um, by the time the album came out, everybody already knew that I was bipolar. So um, the night before I went into work, when it dropped, like because the, the way it was, the album came out on a Friday. But that previous day, Um, Kanye had this like listening session that everybody could tune into through this certain app and um, on the second track of yay yikes Kanye says you know that's my bipolar you know that's my superpower it's not a disability I'm a superhero and I like screamed I was like oh my god like I can't believe he just said this and so the next day the album actually dropped and we could see clear as day on the cover I hate being bipolar it's awesome And that's when I was like, okay, when I get to work, I'm going to have to answer some questions. And so, of course, they call a meeting. There are like 10, 15 people in this room, and they're all looking at me. And I'm like, okay, all right, all right, here we go. (laughs) So um, I just tried to explain to them, like, these are the reasons why Kanye may have said, I hate being bipolar, and it's awesome. This is probably why he said it's a superpower. Like, I'm just trying to break down why Kanye said what he said. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a very, very, uh, struggly meeting for me. It's not a word, but I just made it a word. Uh, I was shaking, I was quivering, but it was also so liberating at the same time. Um, because people have this idea of bipolar as it's all bad and you go crazy and, you know, there's no coming back. Like you, you know, there are all these things that people say about it and, for me to sit down and be honest and authentic about like, you know, there are some beautiful highs, there's some, some spiritual nature here. There feels like, you know, you're talking to God, like all these things people were not like prepared to hear. They were more thinking that I was going to sit down and be like, oh no, this is not right, you know, or whatever they expected me to say. So the album itself, I also gravitate very strongly toward it. If I listen to anything Kanye related as well, it's that album. Um, I also listen to the life of Pablo as well, pretty often, but, um, yay is, I don't know what it is, but that first song I thought about killing you the way it comes in. It's just like, oh, like it just washes over me. And I'm like, this is the album that like changed my life in so many ways. So yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it.
0: That's beautiful. It's, 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 it's always a special occurrence when a piece of art kind of, reaffirms your your experience or makes you feel yeah. like you're not alone or
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah i I'm a, I'm a massive kanye fan myself um mm-hmm. and i guess i wanted to talk to you about the the kind of uh genius uh, crazy dichotomy that often occurs with, with 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 artists and definitely with kanye but before mm-hmm. that i guess um did, did also did, did, it, did it make more sense for you when, when Kanye publicly came out with Bipolar? And c- I, I remember, uh, I'm pretty sure either Kanye or his second name Omari is, uh, def- is the chosen one or the only one mm. in, in another language, I think. And it, it, it resonates with what you were saying about you, you feeling like you were the chosen one, even though you kind of knew you weren't the chosen one. And then obviously Kanye has a song called I Am A God Um, Mm and did 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 things start to fall into place for you with that
1: yeah (laughs) um especially so kanye put out yay in june 2018 so around april i remember writing in my journal um some is bipolar like i just i was like i'm just waiting for him to come out like that's literally what i was writing in my journal like this was when you know he was doing a lot of Trump related things, saying things about slavery on TMZ, but he was also having these other very, very, um, one with the universe tweets and thoughts and, um, things that he was communicating. So I was like, I know what's going on here. Like I didn't, like I told maybe one or two other people who also live with like, bipolar or who know people who live with bipolar. And they were like, we were just texting back and forth. Like he said, he's on Lexapro. Like, you know what that's about? He said this, we know that, you know, it was like us like putting the pieces together. And so when he came out in June of that year, I was like, finally, like, like I review my journal sometimes. And I just uh looked back on one a couple of weeks ago. And it was like me, like, writing about Kanye possibly being bipolar and then him coming out and me being like, oh my God, he did it. He's out, he's out. And being like so excited because I knew that it was going to like blast open every opportunity in order for me to like explain to people, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm living with. So uh, yeah, it was a very exciting moment for me. (laughs) Even though I know I shouldn't be happy about other people having a condition, but it was it's the relatability, you know, like just having someone that you can point to and say that yeah. person gets me or you can get me through that person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I guess uh, this links in nicely. I, I know something that's, that's been on the forefront of my mind over the last while is the kind of like conditional nature of our kind of loving relationships uh, even with those who are closest with us mm-hmm. you know like putting extreme acts of of violence and deceit aside I do see like in my opinion a kind of a general level of like conditional love and acceptance within our overall mm-hmm. culture which can be like quite harmful for one's mental health um, yeah. and then obviously like I'm happy to use other examples but Kanye but obviously a clear he's a clear example of this you know the kind of uh, we love you when you make you know the dark twisted fantasy album, but not so much when you act in this way. Where we frown, it's you know it's frowned mm-hmm. upon to do that in public. And and in both instances, here's a person who's trying who's who's being authentic. And in one way, they're saying, "Yeah, we love that part of you, but we we don't like that part of you." And I you know, I, I can imagine this is quite difficult to to take. I mean, I guess we are we we all part of it. We are all kind of censoring some part of ourselves and um, and i mm-hmm. guess yeah like this branch ac- across the culture we're almost encouraging our- ourselves to censor some aspect of our authentic authentic self or o- authenticity and um, and i guess i'd love to hear your thoughts mm-hmm. on this as i can imagine like you've maybe considered like you've or experienced sorry some maybe like conditional relationships and like Maybe how did this, like, I guess you you already explained how, how your family and your friends were quite supportive, but I'm sure there are other people in your life, or I'm sure like your friend has expressed this to you where, you know, parts of you were, you know, praised or commended upon, whereas others were not, even though on both sides, you're just trying to, you're just trying to express yourself (laughs) as the person that you are. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess- I'd love to know yeah like how did this impact you the the way people treated you when you were just ex, you know expressing yourself fully and how do you think that we get to a better place overall with that
1: yeah well i mean that's a that's a big question it's a good question because i feel like we are very very conditional in terms of like how we choose to accept people how we choose to embrace them and then how we choose to not. Um, and, you know, I know we spoke about Kanye quite a bit, but he is like the prime example because we have looked at him for decades as like this incredible, like chosen artist. And, you know, someone who has done so much for the culture. And, and then when he comes out and he's open about like, hey, you know, I have bipolar. He hasn't said what type yet, but I have a good guess. But, um... Yeah, he'll come out and he'll say, like, I'm bipolar. I, you know, get ramped up and I say things in the heat of the moment and et cetera, et cetera. And people still sit here and say, well, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. Like, you should know better. And it's like, no, actually, like, when you're going through the throes of mania, you can't really, like, comprehend what is coming out of your mouth. You're just saying whatever whatever you want to say. So it's very much like... Like, how can we sit here and like commend and praise and elevate and, you know, exalt someone for being the full creative person that they are through this condition, but at the same time say, well, actually, I don't respect you because you said something I didn't agree with in a moment that you couldn't control. That's And when I see that happening, I'm like, okay, so number one, what if that was me? Like, I am not... I mean, of course I'm not like a super producer with millions and billions of dollars, but if the tables were turned, I feel like I would want people to understand me and want people to offer me compassion and grace. I I get offered compassion and grace because I'm Keanu from around the way. You know, I'm, you know, the girl who everybody knows for being this person and for being kind and for doing all these other things. But when I flip into mania, like I turn into a different person who like, is just completely like out there. And even in those moments, for the most part, I'm offered grace and compassion. But when it comes to figures like Kanye, it's like we don't have the, the ability to extend that to him. And that's what makes me wonder, like, so are these people really giving me grace and compassion? Are they are they faking the funk or is this like just a different situation because Kanye is Kanye? So I don't know. That's just like I have a lot of thoughts on that, but that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg.
2: I'm really glad that you brought that up, Kiana, because, um, one of the questions that I wanted to ask was, you know, uh, Kanye, obviously, he he's in. He has. He's almost created like his own world. He's his own producer. If he wants to, he can lock himself away in the studio for months at a time, and and no one's there to really bother him. And if that happens when he's going through a manic um, depressive episode, then then that's his business. And you know, and if he wants to go mm-hmm. out on Twitter and say some you know what crazy stuff, then that's up to him. But for someone quote unquote a more normal person, in the sense that you know they have a boss mm-hmm. they have a job that they have to go into 9 to 5 and so on how does that like how there mm-hmm. are. I don't see that there's very many parallels there because you know how does it work for you for example if you're go if you're in a, in a in a in a manic um state can you just say to your boss hey like i'm in a manic state this might last like 2 weeks and then how does that work Do, are, you, are you still expected to come into the office or
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, you know, my own situation is I have had jobs where I've been going through something, you know, whether it's like the triggering of a manic or depressive episode. And I like, but typically manic because, you know, depression is kind of like, not generalized now, but, you know, it's more like everybody can kind of understand it. And mania isn't at that point yet, especially because there's a lot of like erraticism that comes with it. So whenever I'm going through uh, a manic episode specifically, I have to tell my boss like straight up, like, yo, I'm not like, I know there was a situation that I told my supervisor, um, hey, like, I'm feeling very spiritual. I know what this means. I got to take a break. And she of course was like, Of course, anything that you need to do, we're here for you, like, take your time. So I took the week off and I flew from New York to Texas and I stayed at home for a week and I just gradually came down and then I went back to work the next week and everything was perfectly fine. So I'm grateful that I've had situations in which I can be honest about like, you know, like, hey, I'm about to go through it. Like, I can typically tell when it's about to start. Now I can So, um, yeah, I'll just be vocal about that. And if they tell me, like, I don't think I've ever had anybody tell me, no, you can't take time off. Like that would be some, some wild stuff, but yeah, in general, uh, it's very, um, not accepted, but yeah, I guess in a way it is accepted that I'm able to just raise my hand and say, Hey, like I need a moment. And I'm very grateful that I haven't been rejected in that sense yet. Mm Mm-hmm. So there are two sides of the coin here. Um, I remember, you know, when I was having my episode in 2017 and I like went into work and I was given this assignment and it took me the whole day to write one piece, which is like not standard for me. I usually can knock a few pieces out in a day. And I like, as I was writing the piece, it just felt like I was writing about Jesus Christ so i was like I, I i'm doing my best but this is about jesus and it's all coming out you know it's all going down everybody's going to know how i feel so um in that sense i wasn't able to really produce as much because i was just like super 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 manic but the piece that um that i wrote about Kanye and bipolar for vibe magazine that jim saw um was something that i wrote when i was hypomanic and I'm not ashamed to say it because I think that hypomania can be demonized in a lot of ways. And it's not necessarily always like a, oh my God, like you need help. Like sometimes it's like, you know what? I just want to, I just want to write, you know, I just want to write this piece and see what happens. And that's kind of what happened with that piece is I had like all of these different elements that I wanted to bring in, into it. And I wanted it to be personal and I wanted it to do this and this. So yeah, in that sense, I feel like that piece was boosted because I was able to tap into my uh, my understanding of mania because I was in an elevated state, not in a manic state, but an elevated state, and I was able to say, okay, like I know what it feels like when I'm manic, and I know Kanye is probably feeling this way, so let me connect the dots in this way. Um, but yeah, it was very much, um, it is very much, uh, it differs. Sometimes I, I'm all in it and I can like pour everything that I have into a piece. And sometimes I can't write anything at all because I'm so far gone.
0: Kiana, how, how is, has this, how have you come to grips with this um, in terms of like distributing your workload? And when was it the point where you thought, oh, an effective way for me to be able to spread awareness about this is through the medium of TikTok. So we, we, no. we, I'm, I have a feeling that somewhere these questions connect. I hope they do.
1: Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So uh, my close friend, uh, Laura, she, like I said, we speak maybe like a couple of times a week, once a week. And she was just like, hey, like we talk about this often. What if you talked about this on TikTok? Because she loves TikTok and she's very um aware of the kinds of conversations that happen there and i was like sure like i've never really thought about it but i'll give it a shot since you think it's a good idea like she typically has great ideas for me so i'm like you know what i trust you let's do it so um i ended up just uh just out of nowhere i didn't have like a script or anything i just like sat outside on my balcony and just recorded myself And I was like, hey, I want to try something different here. Because before that, I was just doing like hairstyling videos and like nobody was watching them. I was just like, oh, this seems like a fun thing to to document. So I just came out and I was like, hey, I want to try something different. I want to talk about my bipolar disorder. And then I just ended up explaining the highs and the lows and, you know, just told people like what it was and how I experienced it. And uh, like within a day, it had like over a thousand views. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is nuts. Like people actually care what I have to say. And, um, I ended up making another video and then I made another video. And then I think that one, two, I think it was the third video that took off. Um, and by that, I mean, like, I went to sleep, like I, I was like up at like two in the morning and I was like, I'm gonna make a video. So I just like made this video about mania. And about like the synchronicities that come with mania and the experiences that happen with it. And like, I went to sleep and I woke up and it had like 90,000 views. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. So this is, this is what people want to talk about. And as I was looking at the comments, I just saw so many people saying like, thank you. I've never heard anybody express what I go through so eloquently and so directly. And so like, you know, there was like so much, the level of perception in it. I think people could understand that I wasn't just BSing them. I was actually being honest. And from there, like people have just been like that video is at like over 700,000 views. Now, another video that I wrote uh, that I wrote that I did about um, going to work while manic has over 400,000 views. So it's like people are very interested in what it means to be bipolar and people who both are in it themselves or they just know someone who's going through it, they are very curious about like, what is it like for other people? Is it similar? Is it different? Like they just wanna know about it. So that's kinda how things are going in that realm. I can't hear you. Sorry, I was on mute. (laughs) It's okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry, what what I wanted to ask was, were you surprised as a journalist that your content on TikTok was uh, maybe reaching more uh, people than your your articles? And do you spend roughly the same amount of time in prepping the articles than you do with prepping the videos?
1: Mm, that's a great question. Um, I, I wasn't surprised that the TikTok content took off because I know that people just want the the quick, you know, one minute uh, video. You know, people just want to see something and keep it moving. And with my articles, like I put a lot of time into them, a lot of research, a lot of personal excavation of my own experiences, and I just lay it all out there. And if people want to like read it, I'm more than happy to like direct them to that. But I know that in our current day and age, like people just want to move quickly. And if that means like looking at one video or going to my my page and looking at every single video in a span of like fifteen to twenty minutes, and then being like, okay, now I understand bipolar people. Like, whatever way people want to access it, they want to. That's up to them. But yeah, I wasn't surprised that um, that TikTok was the area that took off. And in terms of uh, how much time it takes. So for an article like the Kanye one or even um, other Kanye articles that I've written, um, I would say it takes maybe like depending on how long it is, like two to maybe three or four hours. And for TikTok, like it depends on the day. Sometimes I can knock one out in like an hour and a half, an hour. And some days it'll take me three hours. And it just depends on like, like, do I have a script written? Do I have... Um, like, is my hair done? You know, just like anything like that, like anything where I have to just figure out, like, do all of the elements match up in this day? And if they don't, then I'll like, I'll try it. And then I'm like, you know what, I'll try again tomorrow. But yeah, either way, it takes me some hours to do it. And I'm just grateful that people are giving me their time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's funny because uh, even I have a, a friend in work who says, like, she puts uh, TikTok videos up of, of her dancing. And she says that, like, for every video that goes up, 17 videos never make it. You know, 17, like, yeah. edits, <laughs> the lighting wasn't right. The, oh, this was a bit too hot, yeah. and this and this. Ken, um, <laughs> I have to ask, like, in your personal opinion, are you are you more optimistic, maybe, than you were a few years ago about. um the general understanding of bipolar and the the acceptance of uh, the consequences of this con- this condition. Are you more optimistic having, having had a few years?
1: I'm absolutely more optimistic than I was five years ago. Um, at that point, when I was first um, having my experiences, it was very... I've said this before but it was very isolating. Um I didn't know anybody else who was going through it. I didn't connect with anyone. I didn't find any videos um especially people who look and live like me, like black women, black people in general, um people from the south, you know, people who whatever. It was just like I I hadn't seen my own experiences reflected back at me. And the more that I've put myself out there, the more that I've written about it, um uh, the more that I'm TikToking about it. I'm seeing way more people who look and live like me come out of the woodwork and they're like, Hey, me too, girl. Or my experiences was a little bit different, but I still feel you, you know, it's, it's very much, um, I think things are just an open landscape now. Like we can very much have dialogues and conversations about the things that we go through without feeling like, Oh my God, people are going to judge me because, you know, I'd never really, like, I had some shame for a long time based on the things that I did and tweeted and said but that shame is nothing compared to the time that I've had being open about my experiences and being open about what I go through because now people can understand like oh Kiana wasn't herself when she said and did those things now we can like listen to Kiana in her present state and say all right you know she's she's you know lifted up or she's done this or she's done that like it's just a different time and I'm looking forward to next year and five years from now where we can continue to like blow this open and just continue to um, have more and more open conversations. Yeah, I've tried both ways. Um, so as I mentioned before, I went off of medication shortly after my first episode, and that was mainly due to like, you know, the whole skin issue that I was going through. So um that was an intentional decision. And within months I ended up having another episode. And then after that, um, 2018 was the year that I didn't have a single episode. I had an elevation where I had to, when I mentioned earlier, I had to go home for about a week and then I came back to work and everything was fine, but I didn't have to be hospitalized. And then 2019 is the year that I was the most inconsistent with medication. And that was the year that I was hospitalized two two times within a six month span. So um, I've tried to not be on medication because I, you know, have feelings about mania that are positive. And uh, I've tried. Currently, I am on medication. I'm on um, Abilify, which is an antipsychotic, and I'm on Lithium, which is a mood stabilizer. So I take those every day. And um, if I do have moments where I'm ticking up a little bit, um, my psychiatrist uh, has said to double, well, I don't want to tell anybody what to do, but for me personally, he has said, you know, to double my dosage of the antipsychotic and then I'll come down. And then if anything happens to take myself to a hospital and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, for, for me, I, I, I'm on medication because I don't want my life to be disrupted and I don't want to um, throw my family into a tailspin because every time I have an episode, things fall apart and I just don't want that to happen anymore. So it's more of like a responsibility thing, not because I want to do it, but because I know that everything is better if I just stay stable.
0: Thanks for that, Kiana. Appreciate that. Mm -hmm. The, the, I just want to go back a little bit to, to the mania because, sorry, it slipped my mind uh, about 20 minutes ago that um, mm-hmm. your description of the mania is strikingly similar to uh, some accounts that I've heard of of someone experiencing special highs on psychedelics. And then you mm-hmm. mentioned that recently you, you've really b- bumped up your interest in, in, in psychedelics and the experiences of, of uh, plant medicine and, and this area. I'm interested, Mm -hmm. um, have you had conversations with people who don't have bipolar but have experienced uh, these highs as a result of psychedelics? And do you feel like they get you in a way that the average person who doesn't have bipolar and hasn't experienced psychedelics would not?
1: Yeah, so I have communicated with people who both have bipolar and have experimented with psychedelics. And then people who don't have bipolar and have experimented. So, everybody in those groups, those are my people. Like, they understand what it's like to experience some kind of ascension and go to, you know, like another realm and feel like you're in touch with another entity or what have you. And um, yeah, so the people that I've spoken to who have bipolar and have experimented with psychedelics, they've said that like it gets you like psychedelics get you to the same place, but mania is much more powerful. It's much more in tune. It's much, it's extended. Um, Whereas I'm assuming, you know, I haven't done that myself, but I'm assuming that with psychedelics, it's a very limited time. So um, I know people and I myself have gone through manic episodes for months at a time and it's been outright glorious. And I know that, you know, folks who've, who've experimented with psychedelics um, have have also been in that realm of wow, like everything makes sense and I understand who I am and my ego is dissolving and you know, all these things are happening. Um, it's very much uh, of a similar ilk for me, especially like the first episode that I had, it felt like I deconstructed in front of my own eyes, And I was built back up into this being that just understood everything. So, um, yeah, when I hear people talk about their experiences or I I do my research or I watch the YouTube videos and listen to the podcast, do all the things, um, I'm just like taking my notes like, okay, one day, one day I'm going to be able to put this all together. Um, I'm actually working on a big project right now about people's experiences through natural mania and through psychedelics, and I'm hoping to get more responses. But um, yeah, at this point, I'm just trying to connect the dots and let people know that there is some overlap here um, in terms of experiential exposures and the things that we go through and the things that we the places that we go to. you know, like who's to say that the place that I've been isn't the place that my homie hasn't been? I think it's all kind of wafting in the same area. But uh, yeah, I just, I just have questions.
0: <laughs> that, that's the same with me. I'm just looking for better questions. I'm not going to get the answer. Mm-hmm. Probably not.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but uh,
0: I wanted to bring up, <laughs> I wanted to bring up, um, so basically I, I, I read about this, this tribe in, in Papua New Guinea recently, and they have a set of uh, basically like initiations or ideas of development in the tribe or in the community and I think there's nine and the first six uh, are are, include various things but nothing like plant medicine but the last three include plant medicine and Mm -hmm. when the the people eventually take the plant medicine they after their experience they come back to the elders of the community and they express what they experienced and what they they felt and all this and the elders then say okay we'll add this to the collective knowledge that we have Mm -hmm. of what God or what divine or all these things could possibly mean and then I think of you in uh, uh, a notoriously stringent uh, part of uh, of the country in terms of like what God could constitute and I imagine Mm -hmm. that perhaps you have experienced something that maybe be might be a little different to what is being um, taught in in churches or in schools and I wonder Mm -hmm. have you had any communication with someone who who thinks who has a pretty good idea what they think God is not by experience but by 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 learning or by by listening to other people Mm -hmm. and yeah have you have you had this communication and if not do you plan on the future I I would love to be involved in that conversation
1: (laughs) 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 Wow. Yeah. So um, I mentioned my brother who uh, is schizoaffective, but he's very, very well versed in the Bible. And um, when I started to have these experiences and these synchronicities and all this stuff, you know, I was just like, hey, I've got to talk to somebody like, can we talk about this? And he was very, he was very open. You know, he was like, oh, well, that sounds like this part of the Bible or that sounds like this. And he was able to help me connect the dots between what I was going through and what he knew from his, uh, his education in that realm. So I have like dabbled a little bit in it, but like my, my uncle and my aunt are pastors at my church and I would love to talk to them about, (laughs) about this. You know, I would love to have like an open conversation about the things that I've experienced and what they've been, you know, researching and educating themselves with their entire lives. Um, I just hesitate because I don't know what they're going to say. And I don't want them to be like, oh, that's your illness, you know, which is what everybody tells me anyway. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I definitely want them to know about it because I feel like they, they know so much. And, they embrace me in every way, so I I wouldn't be surprised if they found a way to embrace me through this as well.
0: I really hope so, Kiana. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's been it's been fantastic to hear to hear about your 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 experience and your honesty. And I love your consistent uh, transparency, which seems to have been like a key tenant of uh, of your progress. I would say. Um, thank you so much for for sharing this with us. We'll be sure to include the. The, the link to your TikTok, the link to the of <laughs> article that I stumbled across and uh, any other links that you would like us to
2: include. Thanks so much for your time.
1: Thank you. This was amazing. I appreciate you both. Thank you.
2: Hi, guys. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review if you haven't already. Every review helps us climb the podcast charts so that even more of you can listen to our amazing guests. We really appreciate the support. Remember to tune in next week. But until then, keep safe and have a good one.